What's up everybody? My name is Mike. Welcome to the channel Knack and anyone else that's watching. This is my YouTube debut so don't forget to drop a big thumbs up down below and subscribe to the channel because we're almost at 100 subs. And if you're not part of the Knack fam then join the Knack fam right now. Well I can tell that I've uh, probably been burning up uh, way too many hours watching YouTube during this isolation. Uh, and this is probably not what Pastor Jonathan meant when he said uh, he wanted me to create some content on YouTube. And so I'm not going to be unboxing the lathe that I th bought or the latest tool that I got. But we're going to be talking about marriage. And much like the people that have gone before and, and, and given us thoughts on marriage uh, during this series, uh, we don't feel like we're really that qualified either. We don't necessarily have the best mar marriage, certainly not the perfect marriage, to point to and say, this is how you do it. Uh, well, we're almost at 30 years of marriage. This, this August, it'll be 30 years. Wow. Uh, and here I'm in the garage, the only space that I've left to organize myself. Uh, I don't know what Chris is talking about, but uh, I'm sure you can see the progress that I'm making uh, in getting this place cleaned up. Let me direct you to my fastener collection here. I've organized them by size and labeled them different lengths so that I know where they are when I need them. That's probably taken me, uh, I don't know, the last three weeks or so. Um, but uh, as I keep telling my wife that if you want a good quality project, it takes time. We have experienced so much and, and been through quite a lot. And then I think of my parents. They made it to 57 years of marriage before my dad died. Uh, man, we're, we're like halfway. There's still lots of time for a few more fights, a few more disagreements, a few more why do you squeeze the toothpaste in the middle moments. And, and let's face it, we all have a shelf life in our relationships before the due date hits, thing, hits and things can go sour. That's when the nitty-gritty and the essence of a covenant, the, the marriage covenant, really kicks in. We can only last so long with the insincere, oh, let me get that for you, honey, or, or I'll do the dishes, cupcake, while you put your feet up. A covenant of marriage keeps on going long after we don't feel like it. Some of you don't know us that well, but yes, it's been 30 years of wedded bliss. It's funny, because when I was typing out what, I, what my thoughts were for today, I was going to type wedded bliss and my fingers went and typed weeded bliss. It was a typo, but very appropriately leading us into our talk today. Because marriage is an ever going, ongoing process of pulling weeds, like thoughtless comebacks, like digging digs that are deeper than you want to go, unfair fights, selfishness and separate goals. I guess like the garage. These differences want to creep in and take over our marriage and yet they're not the things we should give in to. Anyone married to someone opposite of them? Well, we're pretty opposite. I think weeded bliss is a perfect analogy for us. It wouldn't take long if you followed our dating history to see how opposites attract. I can let Mike tell you his side of the story, but he was serious about me right from the first date. He, he was my first date, really. I wasn't really interested in dating or being in, a, in an exclusive relationship with a guy. I was just getting my wings and learning how to fly. Mike was older and he was a good Baptist boy wanting to date with intention. He was looking for a wife. Yikes. Wow. I have, I have hurt him sometimes in the past and I am so thankful that he stuck around. What we have experienced over 30 years has needed some weeding. 
But I think we can both say at this side of marriage, it's very different than where we began. Even now, we have lots of lessons to learn. We still get it wrong and find ourselves looking at each other and wondering what happened. We focus on the weeds at times instead of pulling them out and getting rid of them and taking the time that's necessary to take care of the weeds. And sometimes the weeds show themselves as things we are looking for in the other person that aren't even about them. Those needs or expectations aren't theirs to give. We get our eyes out of focus, the bigger picture, the good stuff, the stuff that lasts and the stuff that builds a good garden. I love the flowers and the signs of new life that the spring brings and just to be in the garden and to see everything growing and just the reminder that this is a time to grow beautiful things. And so, like our marriage, we are a gift to each other and we need to treasure what we have and handle it with care. We were asking God, what do people need to know about marriage? There's not much new to say, and yet there's so much you could say. And this has been a good series. And what would help others if they knew more about us? Well, I can assure you that there are marriages that make it look a lot easier and have a more romantic story. But ours is one of stick to and we have our own beautiful story. And we definitely have experienced God's faithfulness as we try to be faithful to Him. The first 10 years were definitely filled with its, um, with its ups and its downs and figuring each other out, having different models of marriage from our parents, and starting careers, both teachers, long days, seeing opportunities for advancement, dual income was nice, um, no kids, only vacations really focused us on each other. And truthfully, we were becoming more parallel all the time. Then the second decade, we get on the same page regarding me taking on a new career at NAC and starting a family. And then we faced infertility. The learning curve is somewhat like COVID, I guess you could say. Until you can flatten the curve, the intensity and the danger to give up keeps rising. So now I've compared marriage to uh, weeding a garden and COVID. Uh, I'm hoping we can recover from this and you won't turn us off at this point. Anyone single feeling pretty secure right now? Well, here's the truth. It is better on the other side. And so let's find Mike and put some more principles together that have helped us along the way. When we got married, we made a covenant with God to marry and unite as one. Covenants and contracts are not quite the same thing. I looked up the difference, uh, differences of contracts and covenants and did some research. There have been many times when we had to make a decision on things and Chris was ready to move forward to get things going, but I had to do my research. It's become somewhat of a thing uh, that she loves about me. <laughs> uh, not all the time. Uh, while a contract is legally binding, a covenant is more of a spiritual agreement. A contract is an agreement between parties, and while a covenant is a pledge, the covenant is a better way to build relationships both in business and in life. You must hold up your promise even if the other party does not hold up their pledge. I have a friend that's, in, uh, that's a property manager in, in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo area. Uh, he writes contracts with tenants all the time. He's probably responsible for around 800 to 1,000 tenants 
at one time. His goal is always to write an ironclad contract so that he can hold someone to the commitment that they made. Well, he still has to deal with people that have cats when the contract says no cats. Sometimes they choose to park their motorcycle in the living room because the contract didn't specifically say they couldn't. So he's seen all kinds of different things and people just generally try to, not, not everybody, but sometimes people have the intent of not even honoring the contract. It's like a prenup. A contract is based on mutual distrust. When we, are no long, when we no longer love each other, you kind of figure out, okay, how can I exit this or how can I uh, leave this uh, situation or relationship and end up with at least as much as I started with. In Matthew 19, the Pharisees come to Jesus and wanted to trip him up on the matter of marriage and contract. Very much like today, the Pharisees wanted to either polarize Jesus from the people that agreed with their culture that divorce was legal for almost any reason, or catch him saying divorce was okay, and then he would be speaking out against Moses' law. So Jesus skillfully says neither, and takes them back to God's first design in the book of Genesis, and replies, At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Basically stating God's intention and plan for marriage, but not accusing anyone or breaking the law. Getting divorced because you ran out of love is it's kind of like selling your car because you ran out of gas. A covenant relies on honor, integrity, and discipline. It's permanent, no end date, till death do us part. Covenants depend on your values. So every relationship builds and grows and has the potential to form into the very thing God would want it to become. But it doesn't happen right away. If you're a parent or a baseball player or a runner, you don't get to be the best the first few tries. We put work and effort into the things we want to be good at. Anything worth it takes work. But we are not on our own. Like I said, quality takes time. <laughs> But I do agree with Jonathan and Vicky in the first week of the series that God has to be first. And our spouses need to be second. God has to be first and foremost in our lives to help us. I would say, though, we aren't trying to over-spiritualize God first. Because the reality is that there are lots of Christians that just can't, to see, that just can't seem to make marriage work. And we also know some epic love stories, some tremendous couples that remain friends and lifelong partners and don't see God as their glue. But if you did not catch the other weeks, there are some great principles that Pastor Jonathan and Heather and Kelly and Vicki have all given us that build great marriages. We don't have to believe that good marriage principles are part of God's wise ways, and we don't have to give God credit for those ideas. The truth is, there are lots of biblical truths that the world has adopted that people use every day and may have no idea that the ideas come from the Bible. Just because you don't give God credit doesn't mean it's not His idea. Like the phrase, go the extra mile. That phrase is found in Matthew 5, verse 41. In my research again, I saw someone write, it's never crowded along the extra mile. People don't generally want to do the extra work, go the extra mile, 
but you're sure thankful uh, when those people are in your corner and they're willing to help you. It's part of our covenant to support our spouse, especially in a time when they can't give the extra. I saw that in my parents' marriage after my mom's stroke. Again, in the document I researched, a covenant is about having the strength to hold up your part of the promise in a contract, when one person is not filling their part of the deal, you can stop payment. But in a covenant, the party not getting their needs met supports the failing party so that they can meet their obligations. Another adage many people agree with, but don't realize it's biblical, is that we reap what we sow. Uh, back to my weeded bliss and the garden, Paul tells the Galatians in chapter 6, and I want to read that for you. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good, at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. The truth is that you do reap what you sow and reap where you sow. You plant a seed over here and should I expect a tree over there. Where I invest my best energy is where I gain my best harvest. If I invest in my hobby or my career or my kids and make that my primary investment, I will reap my best harvest there. So if my marriage is relegated to third, fourth, fifth position, what do I expect to get back? And we reap what we sow. Some challenging questions that come to my mind. And if you just take a minute and, and just think about these things and, and where sometimes you've sown weeds or where you have sown good fruit? Is it grace and thoughtfulness versus criticism and complaining? Is it pointing out faults or building each other up? Is it building walls so that we can't be criticized or corrected or showing humility, admitting when we're wrong? Is it going to bed angry, holding a grudge or seeking reconciliation? Letting go of petty things to give room for our partner or do we keep demanding our own way? If we sow weeds, the distance between us gets greater and greater, and it takes a greater effort to get rid of them. We can walk in marriage on parallel tracks, and I speak from experience. We have had seasons where we have been very parallel and not intersecting. Yeah, divorce isn't the only way couples separate. Yeah, we can emotionally become separate. We can give up. We can stop pursuing each other. We can stop fighting fair. We can stop seeking God for his direction to come back together. Our love can grow cold. And so we would not be accused of leaving our spouse, but we have forsaken them. Unfortunately, I think there's a huge amount of unfulfillment in marriages and Christian marriages in the name of staying together. I don't think that's what the covenant means, just to meet the commitment. The beauty and intimacy of marriage is worth pursuing. It happens when our lives truly intersect. It's precious. It's so often unrealized and underdeveloped. 
And can I say sexually as well as emotionally? We give up too soon. And sometimes you also need to get your eyes off yourselves. There is something bigger at stake here. I often find myself in the position uh, to bring perspective to things we are going through, things Chris and I are going through. I have a more even keel personality, and even though I may be accused of lacking emotion on occasion, uh, but a big picture view can sometimes help to lead Chris to move on. I really like Francis Chan as an author and as a speaker. I, I think he's really, really good, and uh, I try and catch everything he, uh, he writes and everything he, he uh, uh, has on, on YouTube. And he says, and he's got some, he's got some pretty hard-hitting things here to say, and, uh, and it makes you think. Uh, uh, he says, if you would just get your eyes off each other for a minute, you would stop your bickering and see how the kingdom has a greater mission at stake here. If you try to save your life, you will lose it. If all you do is focus on creating this perfect, happy little family picture, you're going to end up losing it. But if you're going to lose something, give up the perfect picture and find real life. You will find God's best for your family. Chan believes that in the history of man, there has never been a man and a woman who have both been walking in the spirit that have gotten a divorce. It can't happen because there's only one spirit. If one or both care less about the spirit and what he is saying, marriage can and will break down. If you focus on yourself and probably put anything before God, you cannot realize the full potential God has placed in us to love. The potential to love well is huge. Being someone that can love well and be loved is not an easy thing. So God first is about growing love. Two more things I just want to say before we end this, and one is the power of God's forgiveness and his healing. He can heal. In talking about loving well, we need healing and balance. We don't get it right immediately. We will make mistakes and even fall down. We may even need others in the process, but God's forgiveness, mercy, and growing wholeness has to be part of a healthy marriage relationship. And I know that for some of you, this is not worked out well, and I am so sorry. I am so sorry if your spouse was taken too young, or that your relationship broke down, or that you're in a really hard season or you just couldn't find healing to keep the marriage afloat. We all have baggage that we carry and things that keep us from loving well or being loved. But there is forgiveness and there is grace. The second and the last point I want to really make is the power of good friends walking with us. Heather shared it two weeks ago and I have also found it matters who I tell my stories to. I need to share my feelings and real experiences with people that I can trust, that share my values, and also love Mike, and aren't afraid to give me the truth. Our small groups over the years have been a rock for us in many ways, right Mike? Mm -hmm. And sure. encouraging and supportive. Uh, we aren't strong on our own. We are strong because we have each other. Our marriages are as good as we decide they're going to be. God's wise ways are the best place to build a foundation. But you and me and all of us, we have to decide how we're going to work the garden. What kind of a gardener are we? It, it's kind of like you want to keep all you want to keep on eating all of the vegetables, 
but you don't even want to plant a garden. Supermarket variety is fine, but you always remain dependent on what they have to offer. If you learn about gardening, about weeds, about enemies of the garden, you can have whatever you want to grow. And so our hope is that you will just grow a solid marriage just rooted in God and that God would come first and you would make your number two a huge priority in your life. Amen.